Amen. We've had a great week of Holy Week, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, um, wonderful Easter uh, sunrise service this morning. Uh, it worked. We were thought we were going to have to have Ernest there with his iPhone hold with the clouds, but he, he, uh, we, the Lord gave us just a beautiful day this morning. I've had a, such a fantastic time with these young people talking about some of the most important things in their li- their little lives, uh, and you know, as I, as I'm talking to especially young people, but for all of us, trying to understand what's happening in our hearts and trying to understand. Um, the need for Jesus and what does that mean, and also seeing our own souls uh, and kind of the darkness that we have there. When I go and talk to young people, it's hard to say, like, what's in your heart right now for them to put that into words? You can imagine, it's hard enough for you and me. And so as I got to talk uh, with with one of these young ladies, uh, 11 years old, and we said, well, what, why, do you, why do you want to be baptized? And she said, it's as if I was looking at darkness, and, and I didn't want to go there. And so I, I've turned to the light, the light of Jesus. Like, that's pretty good. <laughs> you know, there is something mysterious about faith and salvation. There is a, a mystery of godliness. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul the Apostle is writing to this young pastor named Timothy, and he is telling him what it is to lead the church and what the church is all about. And so I'll pick up in verse 14, uh, 15, and 16. The Word of God says, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay... You may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is a church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifest in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. As as Paul is sharing this with Timothy, he's, tell, he's telling him, you know, I'm going to begin with some good theology, and from that theology, we're going to understand how to behave in the household of God. Because the household of God is the, the buttress of the truth. It, it holds up the truth. It is, it is held by the truth, and it also is that thing that lives out the truth so that all may understand this mystery of godliness. And so, both in the book of Timothy, and you'll see also in the book of Ephesians, there's this this theology that's so rich that begins the book, helping us to understand those things that we cannot see, to understand the mysteries of godliness. And from understanding those, we have a, a foundation in order to live our lives, how we ought to behave then as the people of God. Easter and baptisms go so well together, like peanut butter and jelly. Because they are, the resurrection is this explanation of what's happened in the heavenlies. The resurrection is saying, this is something only God can do. And it comes with a purpose. It comes with a purpose of bringing new life to all of us. And so we get to, we get to mimic that same thing as we have our baptisms. 
It is a physical picture of a spiritual reality. It is knowing the theology and then how we ought to behave. It is the working out of our salvation. And so Paul is telling Timothy, I'm going to give you some help here in the mystery of godliness. This mystery is something that has been stirring in all of our hearts since since we were little. It is that confusion that we have. As we, we, we begin to know what is right and what is wrong, and we find ourselves continually doing those things that are wrong, and, and our moms and dads get after us, our teachers, but as much as we don't want to do those th- things, we find ourselves doing them, don't we? And as this new sweet Christian said, I, I saw myself walking to the darkness, and there may be glimpses of the light and, and glimpses of doing things that are right, but it was a darkness that draws us to. And all of our hearts shade towards the darkness. Every one of us. You may have, you have felt that at some time. And there is, there is a concern in our heart. This is the mystery of godliness. How can I be right? Can I be right? What is the way out? What is the way forward? The history of humanity is that we are, we're stuck. We know that we are sinners, not having a way to stop our sin. We are suffering both in the immediate and we will also suffer eternal consequences. Even though the the children of Israel were provided with a light, a guide for them, For them to know specifically what they ought to do and what they should not do. Even though they had this guide, they weren't very good at keeping it at all. And for those who, the Gentiles, those who were born without this, uh, without the the, the promises of God, without the, the, the scriptures, without the Ten Commandments, without God's law, we also all know that we are sinners. You don't have to read the Bible to know that you're a sinner. It is a conviction of our spirit. And sometimes it's at the end of a paddle. (laughs) We needed a a way to address our sins. To be right with the the holy. We we all have a knowledge of the holy. We have a, a knowledge of the divine. And in fact, we can call people out all day because they don't keep up with the holy. They aren't righteous. And neither are we. The, the Israelites had the word of God, but their hearts were the same. You know, God provided a way through sacrifices so that their sins could be atoned for, but it didn't change their hearts. The sacrifice didn't change their hearts. Instead, it, it turned a practice oftentimes into mindless religion, an act of not of godly sadness, but of worldly sadness. It is the, is the paddle on the backside. And they needed something. They needed a miracle. And you and me, we need a miracle. How in the world do you change a heart? How in the world do you pay for so many sins of so many people. 
How do you make that right? We need a miracle. And Easter is the celebration of this mystery that has been plaguing us from the beginning of time. How can we enjoy God? How can we be at peace with God? How can we walk away from the darkness and into the light? To have a knowledge of God, but not to have his presence, we need something more than, when, than we are capable of. And the longer you live, the, 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 lo- the more you realize that the things of this world do not satisfy. You, you aren't clever enough to figure it out. But Jesus, but Jesus made a way. His death and resurrection made it possible for us to be holy and to live holy. Jesus made a way to pay for our sins and of those who are his. Jesus has made a way to bring spiritual life to those who were spiritually dead. The promise is found in the Old Testament. There would come a day, there would come a day in which someone would bring and allow for a new heart. Hardened hearts would become alive in here, alive in him. Dry bones would no longer rattle, but they would take flesh and they'd be new creatures. We needed a miracle and Jesus brought the miracle. Uh, baptism is this picture of, of the death to the old self. I love visiting with these. I tell you, I just had a great week visiting with these young people. I said, do you know, do you know what baptism's about? And, and many of them said, not really. <laughs> but I know I want to take the Lord's Supper. That was a common response. I want to go up with everybody else. And so I said, well, this is the picture here. I said, you know, what do we baptize you in? Well, you, you get baptized in, in water. I said, well, why not milk or peanut butter or Kool-Aid? That'd be kind of fun. They said, no. So why do you think? Why do you think water? Because water is this, this picture of, of purity, of a cleansing. It's as if you're, you're all dirty. That darkness is all about you. But something happens. Something that you couldn't do, but you're purified. You're made right. So we, we wash you in this, in this trough, and we raise you up to a new kind of life. And, and so, as I said, now what we're going to do is we're going to dip you into this water and hold you under, and it's a picture of death. And they're like, what? I'm sure they were thinking, how long? But it's this picture, right, of, the, of our death and that we were dead in our trespasses. We, we, were, we were guilty of our sins and it was all on us. We had hard hearts, but because of Jesus, now we are resurrection people. We spring to new life in Jesus Christ. Like, wow. If they didn't want to get baptized, they want to get baptized then. In fact, I, I try to say after every one, now this is a lot. Are you sure you want to be baptized? You can wait if you want to. And every one of them said, no. Tomorrow, next, this Sunday. That's what I want. And that's, that's the mystery of godliness, right? That our godliness is created by something someone else did for us on our behalf. And our faith is to walk towards him, to walk towards that light and trust him with our salvation. 
and to speak against the lies of Satan for those who are followers after him, to keep coming back to those truths that Satan accuses us. We say, no, no, that's not true. You see, I was dead, but now I'm alive and you can't kill me again. I've become a new creature in Jesus Christ and you can't take that away from me. And so we are, all, we are constantly reminding Satan that he has a destiny and we have a destiny too. And, and that we are forever with our Lord, forever and ever. Amen. And so we now are living this new life as new creatures. We become His. Holy Spirit now dwells within us. Before, we had the knowledge of God, but we did not have the presence of God. We no longer just acknowledge the divine up there, but we know him right here. Now we, we get into, the, uh, into this confession. You know, the word of God makes huge boasts and promises. All those things that I said are, are life-changing world-altering, but can you prove them? How, how can you know that the Spirit of God lives within you? How can you, how can you know that your name changes, your life changes, you have a new family, that you are called now to be a royal priesthood? Those who are the ones caring and perpetrating the sins are now called out to be a part of the royal priesthood, who are intervening on others' behalf to offer them salvation, to offer them grace, the grace of God, praying on their behalf for their salvation and the purification of their sins. And we then speak to each other and say, because of Jesus Christ, you are now forgiven. That's quite a difference from where we were the other day. To this day, now we become a royal priesthood. Those are great boasts and great promises, but how do we know that they're true? And so what does Paul do as he's writing to Timothy? He begins to remind him of the songs of the church. You see, this is a part of a hymn, an excerpt of a hymn. And he starts out, the hymn actually doesn't start out this way, but Paul does. He says, who? That's how he starts. Who? And who is he speaking of? He's speaking of Jesus. Jesus was manifested in the flesh. He is the incarnation. He is, he is the one who is... Uh, God with us, Emmanuel. And you see, think about when, when this is being written. This is, this is in the first century. And so Jesus has been on earth and he's writing to these folks in these churches and, and he's telling the church in Ephesus, now remember Jesus. And they're going to know Jesus. Some of them have maybe met Jesus. Maybe they were at Pentecost. Or they know someone who knows Jesus. And they say, remember the one who came and, and he, he made these miracles before us. He is the divine in the flesh. These promises that are for you, they come with, with, with a special wrapped package that you have seen and you have touched and you have known yourself. And so they, he could call on them and someone would say, yes, I, 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 know, uh, I know someone who was fed with the 5,000. That's the incarnate word of God. 
Only he can do that. I was, I, I was there and I heard the teaching at Pentecost. I, I saw the tongues of fire fall upon Peter and I heard them speak in all kinds of ways and I understood what they said. It was a miracle. They'd been touched by the miracles. They had heard the teaching. They had, some may have been even at the crucifixion. Some may have even seen Jesus in his resurrected body. They could talk to Mary and Martha and Peter and John. Manifested in the flesh and vindicated in the spirit. There wasn't just outward evidence, but remember at the baptism by John the Baptist, when John the Baptist baptized Jesus and he Not because of his sin, but to fulfill all righteousness. The dove came down. The Spirit of God came down. And you heard a voice that said, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. The vindication of the Spirit who says, This is the One. And if that be true, then all he says is true, and he has the power to accomplish it. Seen by the angels. Oh, vindicated by the Spirit, one last thing is it. And now for those who are followers after Jesus Christ, even in our spirits, we have a new spirit, don't we? And so when we sing these songs, our hearts go, we don't just listen to them and go, well, that was some nice singing, right? Or bored or whatever. It's like, oh, that was me. That's the Spirit of God in us. Vindicated by the Spirit, living within us, seen by angels. I don't know if you've thought about this, but can you imagine the perspective of the angels? How they had seen the unfolding of time in the heavenly of heavenlies. Those who were created for the purpose of worship of God, the seraphim and the cherubim, who fly about the throne room of God, who were created specifically to be awesome worshipers of God. And there they are with Jesus in their presence and they get the memo. And the memo says, Jesus is going down to earth. Can you imagine the look on the angels' faces? What is going on here? And then to see Jesus in one day's time taken from the heavenlies and planted in a stable. And not even a great stable, right? As a baby, the, the angels must be perplexed. The heavenly object of worship descended into a stable. And so what did they do? They went around as witnesses. They're telling the shepherds, speaking to the wise men, having announced to Mary and Joseph and to Elizabeth and Zechariah. There is one who's coming. Heralds to the glorious coming of Jesus. Seen by the angels. Can you imagine? Jesus was baptized, taken into the wilderness, and for 40 days he suffered in the wilderness with nothing to eat, no place to stay, no friend to, as a companion. Can you imagine the angels as they're seeing all of this unfold? And they have to restrain. They're being restrained. Can you imagine those who for all of their existence have only been in perpetual worship of Jesus and now they're said, hold back. But he's suffering. But they were restrained from going and taking care of Jesus because he had to suffer these things on our behalf. 
and then tempted by the devil and overcoming. And in that victory, they were released. Can you imagine? They must have rushed in to feed him and care for him and nurture him and, and refresh him. This is the mystery of godliness. And, and today, you know, we, we, in our news feed, there's some interesting things that come about that, that catch our attention. Like the iPhone 12, right? Like, oh, I wonder what that thing does, you know? That is mystery. Or, or the next, like, Tesla is coming out, you know? And, 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 it, and it, it goes like a bajillion miles. And there's one floating in space. And then, and then there's like the Mars rover. And they send back pictures to us. And we're like, whoa. I mean, science, right? This, this world, it's amazing. People have these minds. The splitting of the atom. A, a cure for a, a, a vaccine that seems to come just like this. Our science is amazing. But do you imagine what the angels think about all of that? That's like elementary. What are you, what are you so excited? The iPhone 12? Right? The, the angels don't jump up and down about these things. What makes the angels shake their heads in awe? The mystery of godliness. That God would send his son to die on the cross to make us right. The Bible says, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Believed on in the world. You know, Peter and Paul, they're these, these apostles who are going and telling this world, they're, they're these Jewish men. And, and Paul, of all people, has been a persecutor of Christians. He has been so zealous for the thing, all things Israel. In fact, he's called a Hebrew of Hebrews. A, a Pharisee, the most righteous of all. A Pharisee of Pharisees. If there's anybody who loved his people and detested the world around him, uh, anyone who knew the, the, the hope for God's people and the seeming rejection of everyone else, that was Paul's attitude. But what does God do with Paul? He makes him the evangelist to the Gentiles, to the whole world. And so he takes the heart of this cruel man, this bigot of a man, and says, love all them folks. And take this good news to them. And they believe the message. They believe the message. Why? Because this is the unfolding of the mystery of godliness. There is power in the word. There's power in what Jesus Christ has done in the resurrection. There's power in the incarnation. All of this has effect on the world. So this is not hidden, done in some corner of the world, but it's been exposed to the world. And the world has responded because it is powerful and glorious. There's proof in the pudding. Taken up in glory, God's stamp of approval as he welcomes his son back home, seated at the right hand of God. The divine reign is in progress. And for you and me, that means the, the carpenter's up there making a home for us. Hope for a future. 
with him forever and ever and ever. Amen. This is the mystery of godliness. That Jesus would do that for you and for me. And he'd make a way for us to walk away from the darkness and into his light. That we might spend eternity with him.